morning. We are beginning to end the Bible studies on the gifts of the Spirit. We already covered word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, in a very sort of a dogmatical way. We covered faith, gifts of healings, and working of miracles. And uh, today, uh, we already worked on prophesying, which I told you has nothing to do with prophecy or the prophet. This is First Corinthians 12, directly related to prophesying, which is based on the idea of Ephesians, of First uh, Corinthians 14.3, edifying, building, and comforting. And, and that should fix a lot of things in your understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit. And then finally... Tongues and interpretation. And so, when we begin to look at uh, the Apostle Paul, we have to be uh, very much uh, impressed that he would uh, give one chapter in 1 Corinthians 14 to discuss on the subject about tongues. And, and then he makes a personal confession. I speak with tongues more than all of you. And so there is a, an understanding that in the life of Paul, he spent a lot of time in prayer. Uh, prayer, in this sense, is, is really intercession. And so he spent a lot of time in intercession and in prayer. The fact that Paul, in his ministry, had more revelations than anybody else except Christ. It's very impressive. You have to say that one-third of the New Testament is about this man that spoke a lot in tongues. And so the traditional church will not really consider this as a vital testimony and receives parts of the book of Romans, but not Parts of the book of Romans. Parts of Ephesians, but not, not, not Colossians altogether. And so there is a sort of a, 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 a pick and choose as to what Paul is saying in order to defend your, your, your basic theology. And of course, having an understanding of this area will enlarge your vision because he had more revelation knowledge than anybody else I know. But tell me, tell me how much you heard from Mark and Matthew and Luke. Uh, you know, First uh, Corinthians fourteen eighteen says, "Born out in due time." You know, he he was born in due time. God had to bring some things in into the life of the church in those days that the church needed. The question is really, does the church today need? The ministry of Paul. Because the way it is, we have a sort of a ignored it. We don't teach in our Sunday schools and, and, and very seldom we refer to it. Uh, and so the church is sort of a hiding, uh, these material, these 14 letters and studying what they want to do and what they don't want to do, which is kind of productive. Of course, other disciples learned from Jesus. Paul had to have revelation knowledge to to hear from him. And so much so that if you go to uh, uh, Galatians chapter, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, chapter 2, 
and, and you go to verse 6 and 7, he says this, But of these, the false brethren, who seemed to be somewhat whatsoever they were in making no matter to me, meaning they had nothing to give to me, God accepts no man's person, for they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. Meaning, then he goes, but contrary eyes, when they saw that the gospel of circumcision was committed unto me, as the gospel of circumcision was unto, Paul, unto Peter. In other words, the gospel of circumcision, uh, uncircumcision was committed to me, the gospel of circumcision was committed unto Peter, the Jews. And so he distinguished himself as learning from revelation knowledge more than he learned from anybody else. And, of course, if you study what happened to Peter, to Paul, you begin to get an idea that after his experience in Damascus, he uh, uh, spent 14 years away from Jerusalem, and then only to be found in Antioch. Uh, and as you go into Israel, you go up, and that's Lebanon. And when he gets to turn into Turkey, right there, the tip, there's a little town in, in, in Turkey called Antioch. Uh, not anymore, uh, of course, but the excavations are there. And uh, it was there that uh, Peter uh, and Barnabas, uh, uh, Paul and, and Barnabas, and, and of course, uh, Mannion, and the two guys from uh, Cyrene, the evangelists from Africa, they heard the word of the Lord, and they said, Separate from me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work which I have called them. And, of course, the ministry of the apostle Paul begun. Now, you have to sort of uh, come to an understanding that, that he had a revelation from God that the other disciples did not. And when you begin to see that, you begin to say, well, did he say he spoke in tongues more than anybody else? Yes. Meaning that the Paul's prayer in the Spirit seemed to have an impact upon his life. I think it's safe to say that. Uh, you, you, can't, you can't separate one from the two. And then it says... Uh, And he says this, uh, understanding the word, the word mystery. He brings a word mystery, the link between tongues and revelation knowledge is the understanding of the word miracles or mysteries. He mentioned it three times, uh, verses in verses two and four of first Corinthians. And, and he, he is referring, uh, specifically to something unique that is involved in receiving revelation knowledge. First Corinthians 2, 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in mysteries. A second time in First Corinthians 4, 1. Let a man uh, so account of us as the mysteries of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. He says, I speak in tongues more than you all. And then he says, I have been made a steward of the mysteries of God. Well, that's kind of a deep, isn't it? It kind of sounds as if Paul is saying that I heard from God in, he, in the mysteries of God in a way that uh, is overwhelming. And, of course, as you study all the 14 epistles of the New Testament, uh, it, it, it's unlike any other, any other writer. Of course, what is a steward? A steward is someone that manages, guards something from failure. From, from being robbed, from legalism, from false doctrines, from false prophecy. 
Now, it's kind of hard to accept that Paul now is being say, is saying that he is a steward of the uh, of the mysteries of made of stewards of the mysteries of God, and he is a guy who speaks in tongues more than anybody else. And so, <laughs> nothing more than validating tongues as something real. And of course, I don't spend much time in this. Those of you who connect to me know that I've been teaching uh, at least five years now on everything else but this subject. But I have to spend time on this subject because, you see, we don't want to grow one leg bigger than the other. We don't want to have a hand and an arm bigger than the other arm. You know, you begin to have the crocodile arm, you know. When you go to the restaurants and somebody's about to pay bill, you can't pay because, you know, you got crocodile arms. And so I have to teach, and I have to disciple in that area because it's critically important. And so a steward is someone that uh, cares against false doctrine, against legalism, against lies and windows in the life of the church. Now, he is saying this, uh, stewards of the mysteries of God, uh, in defending the gospel in the letters as I don't have to. I don't have to. But let me cover some of the defense that Paul had. The preaching of Paul, for instance, in Ephesus. Let me take that as a subject. And he says there is no... Uh, 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 that the, the preaching there, uh, he was that there is no God but God. And, of course, that was in Jerusalem. There is no God but God. And, of course, that led into a riot in, in which the Asian Jews... Uh, almost killed him if it wasn't for the Roman army. Of course, Paul was almost lynched because of that. And he preached against circumcision. Jews should abandon the practice. And you're about to be put in, in jail. And the Jew, the, the Roman soldiers and the, have to put him in the barracks to separate him from the, from the Jews. Now, uh, I spoke in tongues more than you all. And he does that. So, in a way, the church sees Paul as a villain, as someone that we don't agree with. And yet, nobody more defended the gospel more than Paul. If you walk in the streets of Ephesus, which we have visited in our ministry in the first century, you'd see small shrines, different deities, uh, the, the imperial, imperial, imperial cult of Rome, uh, you've passed large temples dedicated to other gods, the cult of prostitutes, Artemis, offering union uh, through the power of the deity with sexual encounters. Uh, the temple of Artemis served hundreds by giving them virgin priests, promoting sexual abstinence, the superiority of women. If you, if you want to know where that all started, superiority of women in the life of the, of, of the, of the, of the societies, it started in, 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 in Athens, Greece, and, and it started in Ephesus, uh, as, as Artemis required that women are superior than men. Offering power through magic art. And as you walk down the street, we see the, the Malakoi. It's called, it's, a, it's an unbelievable display of, of homosexual young men with curved hair, coffured hair, uh, all dressed to kill. 
And, uh, and of course, uh, and, and you hear the ramifications and the teachings, of course, all over that library of the teachings of Plato, who believed that homosexual love was the most exalted form of human love. That's what Plato used to teach. Children were brought into the temple for services for these men. And then they were burned to crisp, offering unto their gods. You see the cynics who taught a simple life, you know, without engagement to nothing. Then you have the Stoics in those days uh, who believe that uh, God is in everything and we should practice indifference and not be caught into emotion of any kind. Well, our church is filled with Stoics that don't believe that when you meet Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to be overwhelmed by the touch of salvation. And tears are not accepted in the life of the church. It's something that we don't do. The Epicureans, who did not believe in gods or the supernatural, only the pleasure of life. And then you have at the same place the Hall of Tyrannus, at the end of Paul's ministry, where he begins to teach an anointing so powerful. The Bible says in Acts 16 that God did extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul to where the handkerchiefs and aprons that he touched were then brought in, brought healing. And Asia as a, as a country heard the word of the Lord. So are we talking about a man who spoke in tongues more than you all? It's tongues so divisive, so demonic that would transform the life of an apostle? Since when would you say uh, then that uh, the tongues belong to the devil as many, many, many spiritual leaders have said before my face? How dare you? How dare you to begin to attack the kingdom of... And so, how, how do you do this? How do you understand, Paul? How do you understand uh, the, the, the prayer language and all of this? You have to understand that one-third of the New Testament was filled with revelation knowledge. Revelation knowledge. Through prayer, God speaks to us and then ministers. And so, and so, a third time, mysteries is mentioned. And it comes on 1 Corinthians 14, 2. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. It says, But he who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God, for no man understands him. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mystery. That which pertains to God, mystery. He speaks mysteries. And so, what is, what is the understanding of mystery? How do you define the word mystery? Well, that is which outside of inductive and deductive hearing. Only through divine revelation, you are able to say, I hear God. You know, I was brought up with the idea that God was in the trees in the lake. Man, I stared on those trees so long. My goodness, some days I would go there and stare at it. Now, sick and tired of looking at trees. And then God speaks to the sunset. Man, I looked at the sunset and looked over there, and it looks beautiful, you know. And I had that peace in my heart, you know. And the presence of God was there. But I hate to tell you, I grew up from looking at trees. I grew up from just looking at the sun. I grew up from looking at the lake and trying to find fish. 
I want to hear from my God. I'm a child of God, heir of the kingdom, created His image. I have the right to hear my God. I have the right to hear Him as an evangelist as I travel into empty, dead, morbid churches so He can talk to me. And after that, God visits them and empowers them and reveals His presence. Uh, they'll never be the same. That is why they call me a dangerous man. Because I hear from God. And you don't tell me that that's wrong. And I want to tell you, I do speak in tongues and I love it. I'm not saying to you that you should speak in tongues also because he said I speak in tongues more than you all. So a lot of people didn't. But don't put me down because I do. John 16, 13 came to my mind as I began to look at this carefully. And I want to look and, say, and, and share it with you. John chapter 16, verse 13. And of course, uh, it really changes 16:13. It changes the way you think. Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of Truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. Truth about the cross. Truth about the suffering of Jesus Christ. Truth about His resurrection. He will guide you into all truth, and He shall not speak of Himself. Tells us not only what He does, but who he represents. And whatsoever he hears, he shall speak, and he will show you things to come. Meaning, he opened the door of your mind to uh, the coming of Christ. Now, that is the Spirit of Jesus. That is the that a definition of mystery, the Spirit of God, opening the kingdom of God into those who need to be filled and power, renewed and teach and bring life to the church. Hebrews 7.25 says, Our high priest Jesus Christ ever lives to make intercessions for us. So how this works? Uh, the Holy Spirit hears the intercession for us and then pours it out into our spirits as we pray. To God. Jesus speaks mysteries in intercession unto God in our behalf. In our prayer in the Spirit reaches the heart of Jesus and Jesus intercedes for us. Where does Jesus get the intercession for us? Through our Spirit speaking to Him. So our Spirit initiates the intercession. Jesus hears our prayer as every prayer will not return void. And He then begins to intercede to God. And so when you have that connection of your spirit speaking to the mysteries unto God, then, then the Holy Spirit in Jesus, Jesus Christ, the Lord of life, intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered in power, in renewing. And so the Holy Spirit hears the intercession. So what kind of mysteries are you referring to? Uh, the mystery of, of the cross. The mystery of the resurrection, the mystery of righteousness, the mystery of forgiveness, the mystery of healing, the mystery of redemption. Do you understand? When you belittle tongues, you are actually cursing yourself and cursing the Holy Spirit of God. And, and, and now, let's say it one more time. I haven't thought on this subject for five years or so. But I can tell you. That I have grown in spirit, I've grown in, in maturity in my spirit because I pray that way. And you should too. I'm not saying that you, sh that you have to, but you should. Because the more you pray, the more revelation knowledge comes into your life.
So praying out the mysteries of God in your life. Do you know your true calling? Do you know what really you're called to do with your life? Are you defined? Do you know exactly what you're going to do with your life? Do you feel your call? Or are you sort of doing what you like? Romans 12, 12 is very important. And I want to go to it real quick before we finish today. Uh, Romans 12, 12. Let me find Romans just right, right after Acts right here. Uh, Romans 12, 12. And it says this. Is that Romans 12, 12? I'm sorry, it's Romans 12, 2. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. What is your reasonable service? And so this, this, this call to be in the perfect will of God is necessary. Twelve two. It's necessary. It's necessary. You have to do. And be conformed not to this world, but be transformed by the renew of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in perfect, in, in perfect will of God. So to get into the perfection of your call, it takes revelation knowledge. To get into the perfection of your call, it's only revealed to you as you reach into the mysteries of God. Until you do that, you're going to be someone that serves God in the peripheral area. You never get into the thick of things. You never get into the nitty-gritty of things. You simply just seem to be on the outside because you haven't put your spirit to seek God and to intercede to the Lord as to your life, as to what you're called to do. And so you have people that have all kinds of calls, but they're misplaced. They're lost in the wonder of their mind. And they simply seem to have the Christian life without the benefits of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus in Mark 4.20 talks about uh, 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 different types of grounds. You know, he says that... Uh, there are, there, are, there are those that are 30-fold, and there are those that are 100-fold. You know, a lot of people are living on the 30-fold nature in which they don't quite develop a system of growth because they're happy with 30-yield-fold. 30, uh, 30 the ground is okay. It's just a, you don't have the return that you want. And so what is the nature of the Holy Spirit in the mysteries of God? Is to break away from your past. Break away from the sadness that you experienced. Break away from the things that you feel like you're called to do. Anytime there's a feeling in what you want to do, it's not of the Lord. Because feelings is not the way God relates to human beings that are called to serve. It comes to revelation knowledge. And revelation knowledge only comes to those who are deeply involved in prayer. I haven't heard anybody yet in my 73 years of age speak the articles of God in revelation, knowledge of God, that not be in prayer. In my experience, I remember traveling in these last 30, 40 years, and I remember being in a church where uh, they are not really welcoming somebody like me from Brazil to preach to them. They were surprised to see my nose. And I spent all afternoon in, in prayer in the, in the spirit in the hotel. 
And when I got there the ne- that evening, God just exploded on the first night, and they forgave each other, and there's a lot of tears at the altar, and men made confessions to the church, and, 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 and the mortgage was paid in one offering. In other words, I have these memories of things that have happened. It has to do with prayer has to do with seeking God in the middle of the night. Arise, cry out in the middle of the night, the beginning of every watch. Pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord for the life of your children. Faint for direction at the head of every street. Lamentations 2.19. I pray that that's your prayer. That you'll be able to pray in the Spirit. That you'll be able to learn to break through into the mysteries of God and be able to be a blessing to the nations. I'm going to stop early today. And I want you to... Be thinking about what I said. I want you to have a time of prayer in this time that we're waiting to finish our, our, our 30 minutes. Uh, as I look on the watch, I have five minutes. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for these that are listening to me at this very moment, who up to this point in their lives never experienced revelation knowledge. And God, they're wanting to hear the word. But even as they hear revelation knowledge through Paul, they cannot discern what Paul is saying. And Lord, it's very, very convicting that when we listen to Paul speaking about the things he told us today and what he experienced, that he himself said that ever lives, to, Jesus lives to make intercessions for us. And oh God, I pray this morning, Lord, that you convict my brother and sister that is hearing that his, the call that they have is not finalized, not in detail. They perhaps serve you in order to pay the bills. When in fact, Lord, paying the bills is the last of the poll. Because when revelation knowledge begins to come upon our lives, we begin to serve others. And through serving others, we become vessels of honor that will bless the kingdom of God and produce fruits worthy of repentance a hundredfold and not thirtyfold. Oh, God, I pray for these pastors that are stuck into this church with 15, 20, or 30 members who fight between themselves. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that uh, your Holy Spirit will come and bury some and empower some and send many. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, for the leaders of our church, Lord, that they be strengthened this morning. There is nothing wrong with them uh, to utter in the spirit, groanings that cannot be uttered. But from their spirit, seeking God for an hour or two every morning before they begin the actual work of serving you. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, for our leaders who are fallen, who have been separated from the body because they cannot give life anymore. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, for those in our ministry here in Athens that hear me in this moment, Lord, that they be reminded that their call is a deep call, but must have revelation knowledge given from God to be, to be involved in the ministry of the believers. In the name of Jesus, uh, uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.